Thank you, Chris and Silla. Our, um, our Bible reading for today, if you have a Bible with you, is from Isaiah chapter 43. It will come up on the screen as well, but Chris and Silla have already hinted a little bit at what the reading is about, so I'm going to read it for us. This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, And they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they might proclaim my praise. Okay, as we, um, as we gather this morning at the end of another year, I wonder what your highlight of 2018 has been. Maybe you can just chat to the person next to you. What has been your absolute highlight of this year? It can be anything. Okay, does anyone, does anyone have a highlight they'd like to share with us from 2018? Great, I'm going to try and run around to the mic. This is going to be a test of my Christmas eating. Yes, the news that my eldest grandson is going to make us great-grandparents in January. Great-grandparents in January, that's amazing, fantastic, great news, well done. Um, I don't know if this mic's on, Toby seems to have done a runner, never mind. Um, Dave on the sound desk, do you have a highlight of 2018? You got married. (laughs) Should we go with that one? I just embarrassed him totally, he got married this year. Michael, you've got a highlight. I haven't got a mic on at the moment, but tell me your highlight of 2018. My highlight is my brother, Um, he's not a Christian. My mum got remarried again years ago and he fell out with his dad for 26 years. Uh, Jeff had a heart attack in Easter, and I told him he's got to make peace with him, so he flew out two days before Christmas. Oh, make that's amazing. Fantastic. Excellent. Well done. Really good. Uh, yeah, round of applause for that. <laughs> Any other highlights of 2018 anyone wants to share? I'm sure we... Oh, go on, Annie. Holidays with my sons back in the summer, which were really, really special, revisiting places that we'd been with them with, as children, oh, but fantastic. as adults, and repeating the things they did as children, which is what they wanted to do. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. Those are really great. And I'm sure there have been, um, for lots of us, there have been spiritual highlights as well as uh, ones in our kind of um, other lives, like what we've eaten, what we've drunk over Christmas. I know for me, since I started at, here at St. Saviour's just over three months ago, there have been so many really wonderful things that I've got to be part of, a witness, like the baptisms that we had just over a month ago were fantastic, a real spiritual highlight. I know for many people, getting involved in the Trekkers Festival was a highlight, wasn't it, of 2018 here at St. Saviour's. And you know, um, when I started here, I had quite a lot of people from different walks of my life 
talking to me about, oh yeah, we know St. Saviour's, they've got an amazing legacy, um, so many incredible ministries or things have happened and they've been birthed um, in the life of this church. And that's just been incredible. So I kind of had quite high expectations, but really, which have really been met since I started here. And it's just been a really, um, really great year to see what God has done and what God continues to do. And the reading this morning that we had talks a little bit about that. It talks about remembering, but also forgetting. That's what I'm going to be thinking a little bit about um, this morning. Because remembering what God has done in the past is really important, isn't it? And I'm sure for all of us, uh, if we call ourselves Christians, we will have a testimony, we'll have a story. And it will be a story of how God's been at work in our lives, maybe how we came to faith, maybe significant challenges or moments and how God has worked through those. And I remember being um, probably about 12 or 13 years old and going to a big Christian festival and for the first time hearing a testimony and hearing someone talk about what God has done in their life. And for me that was transformative because I'd never realised before that how God was actually alive and active and it wasn't just this thing that you did on a Sunday and went home and forgot all about it. But God is real, God is living, God is here. And that was incredible for me. Um, And I don't know how you keep your spiritual uh, life alive, how you sustain your faith, but one thing that I do is I like to keep a prayer journal, um, partly because it means that I know that I am praying, because I'm writing them down as I go, um, and it keeps me focused and concentrated in prayer. But also, it's an amazing uh, record of my years of praying. I look back on them, and I see how God's answered some prayers, how God has done things I really wouldn't expect in other parts of my life. I never imagined I would be here, for example. I had other plans for my life. Um, but God's, God's way wins, turns out. And looking back over those, those stories of my prayer life for years have really helped me um, ground my faith, understand that there is a history behind this, that God has been at work in the past. And I'm sure other people can relate to that um, experience um, very much so as well. And looking back on the past is great because it means that we can celebrate. And we've celebrated this morning. I'm sure there's lots more celebrating to um, be done. But what I want to, us to think a little bit about is how when we focus exclusively on what has happened back then, we might encounter some problems for here and now. So first problem, when we focus too much on the past, exclusively on the past, on looking back, sometimes I think we can start to believe that life was better back then, right? Can anyone relate to this feeling? Yeah. The past was good, because we saw how God's been at work in the past. The the present, the future, they're uncertain, yeah? We don't know that God's going to work in Uh, in now and in what's to come. And where's our hope when we are focused exclusively on what has happened back then? Do we have hope for what is going to come? And we can become quite pessimistic, can't we, if we're focused exclusively on what's gone before and not on what might be possible here and now. We can think um, maybe, for example, with all that's going on with Brexit, you think there's no hope for us anymore. God was fine back then. God did amazing things, but no, there's no hope for us now. So we can become pessimistic. The second problem I think that can arise when we focus too much on the past 
is that we assume that if we recreate exactly the same environment as we had back then, God will do exactly the same thing, and we will get the same results. And because of this, we, we kind of create these traditions, that, and traditions are good because they ground us and they give us a sense of rootedness and security, but traditions can also be there just for their own sake, and we kind of think it's magic if we do X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z will happen. And I went to a church recently, um, that had in the past, in the 70s, they'd had um, a massive youth group and loads and loads of young adults in their church. And that had dwindled quite significantly. Um, And a lot of the older folk in the church were under the impression that as long as they got in the same style of preachers and had the same style of youth work and the same kind of parameters now as what they had 40-odd years ago, then their youth work would thrive, absolutely. And the young people were saying, no, that doesn't work anymore. And there was this big kind of conflict between these two groups because they saw the only way that God would work is if they recreated the past. And actually, times have changed and things have moved on. And anyone who's got children now will know We don't parent in the same way anymore. Young people have different uh, aspirations, different needs, different requirements to what they used to have. And so there can be a challenge in that um, as well. The third problem that I think happens when we focus too much on what happened back then is that we make faith seem irrelevant to people who didn't share that experience with us, right? Because we've got these amazing stories of what happened then, but they weren't part of that. They don't know about that. That doesn't mean anything to them. And what about now? What's our story for today? Where's God alive and active today? If it's not relevant for here and now, how can it translate to people who haven't been with us back then too? And linked to this, do we have an imagination for what is possible for here and now today and tomorrow? Or is our imagination just linked to what we saw back then? So I don't want to say that what's happened in the past and remembering and celebrating it is bad at all. It's really, really good. But I want us to focus and to think also, especially at the dawn of a new year, what is God doing today? What's God going to be doing next year? What's God doing in our lives? And what is God capable of doing? Because you see, in the Bible passage we just heard, the Israelites were a kind of in a similar sort of situation. Well, they were in a much worse situation. It was pretty awful. So at this point, when Isaiah is writing, they'd been captured by foreigners again. They were captured and taken off to captivity in Babylon. Babylon's about 1,000 miles away from, from Israel. It's a really, really long way away. Things were dire. A lot of the psalms were written during this period. There were psalms of lament. They were in exile. Life was really, really difficult. And their hope was drying up because they, they had this sense that God might be able to rescue them, but it hadn't happened yet. So that hope was evaporating. And so in their pain and in their suffering... And in the difficulty of living in this foreign land with foreign gods, the people cried out to God. And they told themselves and they reminded themselves time after time about a time when God had rescued them. How God had once rescued them from the Egyptians. And that was the definitive moment for the people of Israel. The thing that they hung their faith off of. That God had once come and he had rescued them from Egypt. The Red Sea had parted. They'd crossed over on dry land into freedom. It was this amazing act. They would tell their children and their children's children 
and they would have a sense of communal uh, unity around the sense that God had rescued and redeemed them. And my guess is, now, hundreds of years later, in captivity in Babylon this time, the people were kind of wishing in some ways they could go back to those glory days. Life was good back then because God acted amazingly. God did these incredible things. He brought about their freedom. And it would have been amazing to be there and to have been part of that, the Red Sea and Moses and, and all of those just incredible um, moments where God had intervened in their story. I'm sure that the Israelites, though, like all of us do, would have been looking at it a little bit through rose-tinted glasses. Because although God had acted in these amazing ways, they'd had 400 years of oppression and slavery, where people probably were crying out to God time and time again and seeing nothing that had led up to that moment. They'd had rose-tinted glasses and looking back, and how often do we do that too? Yeah? And this is the situation that Isaiah is addressing in these verses that we just heard. And this is a situation where Isaiah reminds people of this story. Remember God rescued you from the Egyptians. Remember, remember, remember. And then says, forget. Forget the former things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Remember, and then forget. So what are we to do with that? What does that mean? How can we balance up remembering um, and forgetting? Well, I think there's something really poignant going on when we compare what God did back then to what God needed to do here and now. You see, in for Moses and the Israelites um, leaving Egypt, what was in front of them was the Red Sea. They needed dry land, didn't they? And God delivered them by creating dry land. Now, hundreds of years later, dry land is not their problem. They have a thousand miles, best part of, of desert, between them and where they are supposed to be back in Israel. They have a thousand miles of desert. They don't need dry land. They don't need God to act in the same way. God acting in the same way now actually will just get them a result that they really, really don't want. They need something new. They need God to act in a new way. And God promises them what? Streams in the desert. The way that seems impossible is going to be made possible by God doing a new thing, not an old thing. The old thing was dry land. The new thing is water. The dry land that parted the Red Sea is no good. It's not going to work. Because God doesn't work the same way in every situation, does he? God gives his people what they need for the context and the situation that they find themselves in now today. God promised to bring them safely through their dangerous journey and is able to work beyond their imagination because the past had limited their imagination. They needed something new. And Isaiah's words are calling the people to bring their faith of the God of the past into the present and into the future, even though it seems hopeless and scary. I absolutely love this passage of scripture. I don't know about anyone else. I absolutely love it. It's really beautiful because it's full of God's promises. It's full of hope. It's full of future, a future being reconciled and redeemed. And what I also love about it, if you read it really closely, is you'll see that the future promised 
to the people isn't actually just for the people. It's also for the world. It's for creation. There will be streams in the desert. There will be streams in the desert. There's a promise of environmental transformation linked up with the promises of God for his people. The jackal and ostrich will honour me in a world that is redeemed and restored by God. There isn't a separation, I don't think, in God's perspective. Freedom and transformation for God's people will also involve transformation and restoration for God's world, and vice versa. Those two things, interestingly, in this passage, I think, belong together. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us at the beginning of 2019? As I said, I don't think the reading is asking us to dismiss our memories, to forget all of those great memories of what God has done in our past. I think those are really important. But I think this passage is asking us to remember that it doesn't end there. That God can work in these kinds of ways now. God is bigger than the past. God is alive and active and present today and in our future too. I think sometimes we might know that in our heads, but do we really believe it in our hearts? Do we really give those things over to God that are really troubling us and weighing us down? And as much as we praise God for all the good things that have been given to us and the amazing things that are going on in our world, we need to eagerly expect and anticipate that God is going to do a new thing. In 2019, he's going to do a new thing. And we don't want to miss out because our heads are stuck in the past and we're busy focusing on the old things. We don't want to be blinkered, do we, by our expectations of what God will do based on our own kind of narrow assumptions. We need to be filled with that life-giving power of God today. And I wonder, as we end 2018, if you're being honest if we're being honest, how many of us are a little bit dissatisfied with our experience of God? Are we a little bit spiritually dry? Are we struggling? Are we a bit maybe apathetic? Are we going through the motions a bit? Are we here because that's what we do? I wonder how many of us just keep doing the same old thing, the same pattern, the same familiar thing, time after time, because that's what we're used to. And somehow we expect different results. Maybe God is asking us to do a new thing. Because God is alive and active. We remember the story of Jesus with the woman at the well. He says to her that he will give her living water. Jesus' living water is in the power of his resurrection. It's power that's alive, It's active, it's available for us today. And we are not people whose identity is primarily in the past, but it is in the future because Jesus is alive, he's building his kingdom, a kingdom that one day will come in its absolute fullness. And Jesus who is alive and wanting to speak to us and into each of our lives even today. But do you know what? That's scary, if we're being honest. That is scary because we're all control freaks to a certain extent, aren't we? I think the Israelites were probably control freaks too. For the Israelites, taking a step into the wilderness wasn't just a bit scary. It was a life or death situation. 
because they would die if they didn't have water in the wilderness. And similarly for us, without God working with and through us, those steps into the unknown are genuinely really, really scary, aren't they? But do we trust? Do we trust that God is alive, he's active, he's wanting to speak to us today? I don't know for you if it's really hard to do that. I don't know if you've got challenges um, that are facing you, you, that you struggle to give over to God. I don't know if God is wanting to speak to you about something that he's calling you to and you've been putting off because you'd rather trust yourself and trust the old, the familiar, the comfortable than take a step out into the new thing that he might be calling you into. Maybe there's a situation you're trying to fix and and you're trying to sort everything out in your own strength. Maybe God's asking you to hand that over to him and give it to him. Maybe you're feeling totally hopeless at the moment and you just wish it was as simple and easy as the past used to be. It might be any of those things. It might be something else. But maybe 2019 is the year you give yourself fully to the new thing that God is calling you to. And I think this isn't just true for us individually, is it? It's true for us as a church, as a community too. We want to read these verses from Isaiah about the new thing God's calling us to for for St. Saviour's in 2019 as well. And that might mean that we need to be more okay as a church with taking risks, taking a step out of our comfort zone, and trusting that God is doing a new thing in the life of this church, in the life of this town in 2019. And don't we want to be in a place where we get to see God's amazing things take place? because we're living, expecting him to intervene, and we're not just remembering the past and remembering what he used to do. Well, what that's going to take is it's going to take each of us to pray. Pray for God's guiding. Pray for God's leading. Pray that as we act out our faith, he'll be faithful and be with us. It's going to take each of us being prepared to take those risks and to trust that God will equip us for what is to come, whatever that looks like. We want to see our, our community here and dispersed wherever we live, transformed by God, don't we? We want to see healing and wholeness and life in all its fullness break out, don't we? We want to see children and young people come to faith, don't we? We want to see environmental transformation. We want to see people freed from addiction and captivity, don't we? We want to see God's restoration and healing power. And if that's going to happen, we need to become more open, more attentive to what God is doing here and now. We need to be opening ourselves up to possibilities beyond our imagination. That's hard, that's scary, and it asks us to take risks. Now, I asked you at the beginning of the service if you've made a New Year's resolution. Maybe this is a guilt trip into making one this morning. (laughs) But perhaps part of your New Year's resolution this year is one that involves opening yourselves up to being used fully by God in 2019. I'm going to finish in a moment with just a bit of quiet. And as we have this moment of quiet, maybe you want to commit yourself to being used by God in 2019. Maybe you want to open yourself up to what God might be saying to you for the next year. What we're then going to do after a moment of quiet is I've got um, 
The Methodists at the beginning of the new year often use what's called the Methodist Covenant Prayer. Some of you might be familiar with that. I'm going to read it for us. And then if you feel that you're able, perhaps we'll read it again as a community that are committed to living out what that means in, uh, in the year to come. So let's just have a moment of quiet.